0: Welcome to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Today, my honored guest and kindred soul sister, I have to say, is Erin Elizabeth Downing. She is a practitioner of Kundalini Yoga, but also the author of a really interesting book that I hope you all will check out. Erin, welcome to the show. I'd love to hear more about you and your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So
1: I am an author of a book called Kundalini Yoga Demystified, um, a very um, foundational heart-centered book to help basically bridge the gap between um, stepping into the world of of higher self and spirituality and really kind of just embracing our our brightest light and Kundalini Yoga is a, a medium that can help us do that.
0: I love it. And you were reading me the titles of your chapters. Yeah. And uh, it was really fun. Funny because the first chapter is Kundalini what? <laughs> and yeah. So, For those of you who are listening, who are maybe even thinking that Kundalini what? <laughs> um, for those of you who know me, you know that I am like, so devoted to yoga, like, it is my first love. And all those who love me, like my daughter and my romantic partner and my sister, like everyone knows, like yoga comes first. And everything else really comes second. So everyone's had to kind of reckon with that. Um, but it is the thing that's been there for me my entire life, unlike anything else. And so um, what is your journey with yoga? Like, when did you find yoga or when did it find you? Yeah, it, it found me to be completely honest, as most
1: most things do. It's kind of the idea that um when I was doing my training in India, you know, the uh, uh, fellow uh, trainee, essentially like student, with me would ask our teachers all the time, like, where, how do I get my guru? How do I find my guru? And it's kind of the same idea that if you're looking for a guru, the guru will not find you, right? or right. If, you're, if you're looking for a shaman, like it is not time to do that. Like when it's the idea that the right people present at the right time when we are emotionally, spiritually, you know, mentally, physically ready for it. And um, when I lived in San Diego, which I was in my early, maybe mid. 20s at the latest, um, I was going through, I was married prior and I was going through the beginning stages of what could be considered um, the beginning to the, the end of the relationship. While my mom was also very sick, uh, my mother's since passed away from cancer. And during all of this kind of deeply emotionally tumultuous time, I would argue that it was right in my upturn towards my Saturn return as well as um, some of your listeners may be going through or have experienced and um, a girlfriend of mine who was actually living in New York City just googled a studio right down the street from where I lived and brought me a 10-pack and it was more of a gentler holistic vinyasa flow type um, experience and I went to the 10-pack and I kept going and found other studios and have just evolved in all the different mediums of yoga you know ever since then I'm not even finding kundalini till about probably seven years later mm. when i'm in new york city after that relationship had had formally decoupled um kundalini yoga is how i learned how to meditate for the first time you know even all those years prior seven eight nine years of yoga you know on a regular basis prior to then i still just couldn't figure out how to quote unquote, quiet my mind. And I think that barrier to entry alone is one of the most important things is that you don't actually need to quiet your mind, right? Mm. It's, it's embracing the chaos that's running underneath at all times.
0: Um, You bring up a really good point. Uh, My teacher has always said that he thinks, you know, meditation is a bunch of bullshit, actually. He's very, he's very non PC and yeah. And he's, (laughs) and he's, it's so funny because we'll be doing like pranayama and I say, close your eyes and there's nothing there. It's really boring. Nothing's there. It's just black, you know? And he's like, don't like get excited. and think something's going to happen because nothing's going to happen. You know? And it was so funny. And so you're kind of giggling in your bed. Like I thought we're supposed to be meditating. Um, Because we know now peer reviewed research is showing meditation is key. 100%. suicide anxiety is an all-time high like people yeah. are a wreck their nervous systems are eroding like we're in a pandemic and crisis of sorts of our nervous system 100%. and people don't really relate um, meditation necessarily with yoga although they're starting to and that meditation actually influences our nervous system and the yeah. interrelationships of our nervous system and how yeah. to care for it because it's kind of like once you have a nervous system disorder like MLS, M- MS or als They don't really know what to do. They're like, good luck, you know. Hope your death isn't too painful and slow. You know, it's really sad and upsetting. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to offend anyone who's listening who might have a diagnosis like that. But I I do want to encourage people to realize that yoga actually is an option to help to maintain the integrity of your nervous system and the nerve fiber. And so if you think that meditation isn't for you because of some lofty concept that you're supposed to sit down and think of nothing, then this book and your work, Aaron, is really, um, I think, valuable for people. So talk to us a little bit more about why you think this is, um, why you think meditation could be for everybody if they were to use kundalini. I, I think that's what I think you're saying.
1: Yeah. So, well, two quick things. Number one, it is now scientifically proven. Um, if it sounds hippie, woo, woo Bear with us just for a second, right? Like when when they say to kind of begin your meditation and roll your eyes, you know, up and back into your third eye, which is you know essentially just in between your eyebrows and up slightly. Just by the act of doing that, you actually start to put your body into parasympathetic and you start to calm your nervous system, even before you do nothing else. There's the act of actually rolling your eyes upwards and backwards that completely connects to a different part of your nervous system within, like. know, all the cranial sacral connections within your body that puts you into that state. So even at the very least, if you're sitting at your desk, if you're sitting in your car, you're starting to feel overwhelmed, um, by taking that yogic science technique of just kind of gazing upwards into your third eye, you start to regulate your nervous system in a way that can be profoundly effective. Um, no barrier to entry, right? Something as simple, simple as that. And especially if you do it with intention,
0: Right. Mm, Yeah. And I love that. You said the word science because yoga actually is a science. Absolutely. What we have translated here in the West is, um, some version of what yoga is intended to be. And and that's neither good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just that when you really dive in deeply as you have, and as I have, uh, there is a science. And, um, when you look at the science of the nervous system, there is uh, just for, just to, just to clarify, you have a parasympathetic nervous system and a sympathetic nervous system. And if I'm not mistaken, it's your sympathetic that's in the fight or flight. If you're like in some kind of stress, is that right?
1: Yep, fight, flight and freeze, which I think is really important to note because especially um, as two women speaking right now, or at least two women or two individuals who identify as women, I should clarify, right? Um, Freeze is often what we do. um, That is still that same response as a fight or flight. Um, they, they link it back to, if you were in caveman times as everybody does when they talk about flight or flight, right? Like you're either going to fight or you're going to run away. And back then women were predominantly the caregivers of the family. So if you have a couple babies on your hip, right, you're not going to fight anyone because you're going to want to protect your children and you're not going to flee because you want to protect your children. So most of the time it was the response of freeze. Mm-hmm. So have a lot of, um, people, even if you were to like be at a bar and get hit on by somebody and somebody hits on your friend in a really disrespectful way, like you're about to fight them. Like, absolutely not. Do not talk to my friend that way. Or you're like, okay, we're out of here. We're going to go. But when it happens to you, I would beg to say that eight out of 10, nine out of 10 people um, who identify, especially as women will freeze in the moment because you're so taken aback by it. And your system is trying to figure out what's safe, what's not safe, especially if there are um, any form of height, stature, anything, disparities, which would make it not possible for you to either flee or fight.
0: Yeah. And what's so tricky about it is that when your sympathetic is in charge, yeah. it's hard to think straight. It's hard to really um, think of anything else actually, because it is your survival mode. And uh, I think there's a book that does zebra, do zebras really wear stripes, um, identifies some of the false uh, narratives that that are running our society right now. But we have a lot of anxiety and adrenal burnout because we have um, false gods and we have false um, stressors that aren't real. It's not like we're actually being chased by a lion, but we've you know monumentalized things that actually aren't that important. So we have like a d- distortion of reality that's causing um, a massive increase in these kind of nervous system disorders not to mention the chemicals and the environment and so on and so forth so there's just this confluence of factors and 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 this is just the reality of what is and so in order to manage it i found that yoga was such a great thing i too found yoga in new york city as a kind of coping mechanism <laughs> because I, it was really intense for me to live there and um and that's where I started my practice, like you. Um, and it really helped me. And so I love that there's no barrier to entry. Um, mm-hmm. I found that uh, just the breathing exercises helped me so much to shift my, my nervous system as well. But I love how simple you make it. You know, kundalini yoga demystified. So brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's,
1: there's so many ways to to just tap into that greater self and that intuition. And the, the thing that all form of yogic science does is it really gives us, the power of the pause, which is what you're talking about, right? Like if we're running constantly, we're being hit with stimuli that, you know, 50 years wasn't even, you know, possible for us to get all of this information at all these times, you know, blue light at all hours of the day, like all of these different components that are in our environments, whether we're talking EMF or blue light or pollution and all this stuff is hitting us and bombarding us from every sense and every aspect of our body, you know, our skin is our largest organ, even just the environments that we're living in, right? So any form of these yogic techniques that can be a three minute technique will help you kind of bring yourself back to that equilibrium, bring yourself back to that center. And the more you do it, the more you cultivate the power of the pause, which is so incredibly beneficial because Instead of like writing the email and heading send, maybe you still get all of the verbal whatever out of your body or anger or frustration and stuff that you need to get out. And then you have the pause to be like, wait, let me take a walk, let me do whatever, let me do a quick breathing technique. And then you come back to it with a clear head. And maybe you don't actually send it. And you start to you start to slowly, minute by minute, day by day, come at all events in your life, interpersonal, you know, professional, romantic, platonic, any any which way that you can can interact be it internally even with yourself by first having a moment to breathe and cultivate that pause so that you become proactive instead of reactive mm which is just as important with our own internal dialogue. I would ask that every single one of us would never say 99.9% of the things that we say to ourselves to anybody.
0: I know, right? It's true, it's true. And in the Pranayama practice, you know, there's the three parts, inhalation, the retention, and the exhalation. And not always in that order per se, but the retention is like that pause as you were speaking, I was just reminded of the power of the retention and that inner expansiveness that occurs inside of the retention. And we're doing it all the time. We may not be aware of that retention, but there are little pauses. um, And if we can acknowledge them, like you're saying with intention, it actually is a really extremely powerful practice that can permeate your entire life and change it. Absolutely.
1: I mean, there's a a whole chapter in my book dedicated to quote-unquote breathing like a yogi. And it even talks about you know, right nostril breathing versus left nostril breathing and what's cooling and what's heating and and even breaks it down so that, you know, if you're, you know, one of the things I find in the health and wellness industry, there's so many amazing people, you know, now I live in, in LA, I'm in Southern California, you know, you're in California as well. There was a long time when I was living in New York city and, and in the middle of the winter, like right now we're recording in January, right? This end of January, February time is the coldest of the year in the Northeast. It gets brutally chilly and i was following all of these people and looking to these recipes and stuff for like a cold green juice right and things like this like are you're supposed to drink smoothies every day and raw salads and a lot of times like your body can't do that in the dead of winter you know it's kind of the Ayurvedic science which is goes hand in hand with all of the yogic sciences talking about eating with the seasons and what's local and The techniques and stuff that I explained in the book are literally for that reason. Like you maybe want to do a heating technique and a breathing technique that will take you, you know, 30 seconds to a minute in the middle of winter to even just help get your system kind of heated, warmed up, prepped for the day clear your mind, just like if you're in the middle of, you know, Miami and all of a sudden you're overheated with the humidity, et cetera. Maybe you want to do a cooling breathing technique. So it explains the science between all of that that can be adapted no matter where you are in the world um, with the knowledge behind it of why you would do such a thing and what the actual benefits
0: are. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's such an ocean of knowledge, isn't it? It's incredible. And that's why it's important that we get empowered you know, you and me and and, and everyone listening to really understand how to serve what your body needs, what the environment is demanding, because it's true. If it's freezing in my house, I do not want to drink a green juice that's freezing cold. Like it's just not resonant (laughs) in that moment for me. Um, Right. So, so we have to really understand uh, what our bodies. Uh, are saying. And that has to override at some point our intellect because it becomes us. Um, and then of course the practice of yoga, um, you were talking about masculine feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is such a big topic. I feel like you and I could talk like for three hours. Um, yeah. But so you said that there's a whole chapter devoted to masculine feminine. Cause when we talk about right nostril, left nostril cooling and heating, that's also masculine and feminine. Right, masculine being the heat, feminine being the cool. At least based on what I've learned. Yeah, um, yeah. so tell me more about um, the cultivation of masculine and feminine energy.
1: Sure. I mean, I I talk about it a lot in the book because I believe it's so immensely important. You know, even as So I'm a deeply feeling, highly sensitive, big hearted human being, right? But I lived in New York City for a really long time and in a predominantly male dominated field. And I I mean, male dominated, not just in um, how a person was born into this world but also the energy behind it, right? Very masculine energy, very push, 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 very, you know, achieve, succeed, Money, power, et cetera, is, is very much an undercurrent of um, New York City in many yeah, ways. Totally. And in order to succeed, I found myself having to push, 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 push more, which was a. I also, when I moved to New York City, in fairness, did not realize um, the full breadth of my empathy or really understanding what it meant to be an empathetic person. Right. So sometimes I was picking up the energy of people around me, having mm-hmm. no idea why I couldn't find my center. <laughs> a huge part of that was because it wasn't my center. I was paying attention to, I was, I was feeling and absorbing the energy of others around me. Yeah. When we talk about the masculine and feminine, each of us, regardless of how we identify with however we incarnated into this, you know, planet at this exact moment in time has a masculine feminine energy. It's Shiva, Shakti, it's, you know, yin, it's yang. It's, it's the positive, uh, like, Neutron, electron, right? Like everything, the sun and the moon. The sun is represented through all cultures and lineages as more of the masculine heating, warming energy. Um, the cool, the moon, the feminine is more the waves, the emotions. It's just like when we talk about a woman's cycle, it is her moon cycle, right? So we talk about, and a woman's cycle is exactly 20. I mean, in theory, every every you know, female cycle is different or, or womanly- cycle is different, but it is about 28 days, which is pretty much exactly what the cycle of the moon is, right? So we're so in tune on so many different levels, biologically, Um, intuitively spiritually with all of these different modalities right and kundalini is really 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 big about balancing the masculine and the feminine it is one of the things that is the source of our greatest power is being able to dip into both of those energies regardless of how you identify at any given time and find the balance and and being able to sway between one or the other um, just to give a, a brief history of what actually kundalini energy is and where it lives. Um, kundalini energy is represented as a snake coiled three and a half times. And where it's said to live and seat is right below our root chakra. So that foundational secure root chakra is red. It is our safety. It is our security. It's um, you know being able to have food, water, shelter, right? It's our foundational basic, basic needs. And it sits underneath that. And in the yoga science, there are these um, energy centers called the chakras and within them kind of these, I like to think of it, um, you know, when you look at an, an, at an image of a brain and there's all those, those you know, components that look um, like, you know, when the wires fire, right. They look yeah. Like-, like the neurons, the synapses in between the neurons. 100%. So when I think of the Nadis, because we have
0: thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, 22,000, right?
1: Yeah. And it's so interesting because I went and studied in India and like one of my teachers like gave me an exact number and somebody else gave me a percentage. So <laughs> you know, like there's 20,000 and change right? of of these. And our three most important ones are the Ida, the Pingala and the Shashuma. The Shashuma is the Nadi that goes literally directly through every single chakra right in the center. And one um, is a masculine um, energy center and one is a feminine energy center. And of those three, they connect The Shashuma connects to every single Nadi at one point, and every single Nadi connects in at least one of the seven chakras. So when we're balancing the masculine and feminine, we're literally balancing every single energy center of the body that extends to every component, um, every energetic body all at once. And the Kundalini energy is the rise of that snake. Um, If you've ever seen a picture of a catechist, right, the image for... That is on every medical staff, right? The medical mm-hmm. staff that has mm-hmm. the curves. If you look at almost every single one of them, that medical staff is represented of the Shishuma, the center main nadi. And there are usually two snakes wrapping, hitting each one that are the Ida and the Pingula, the masculine and the feminine. And they hit almost every single time with the correct number of chakras as well.
0: It's amazing, right? Every culture, every religion. Um... Yeah the staff of life, you know, the, the medical uh, pharmaceutical, like, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of unpleasant to think about snakes and, you know, it's a lot of language and Sanskrit can be alienating and I get all that, but like, actually, (laughs) I mean, it's just a beautiful, like if nothing else, we have this channel of light that circulates around our spine and everyone uh, is so essential to tune into that and just visualize it. And to bring the light in and to know the power that exists inside of all of us. And that is our electrical system. And the concentration of our nervous system is right around the spinal cord as well. So going from, you know, something that is something that might be an image, you know, to actual like bones and flesh and nerve fiber, like, like it's all connected. And um, at the very minimum, we can envision, right. That there's a a channel of light that circulates around our spine. Would you, I don't know, maybe have something to add to that.
1: Yeah, I, I think the most important part is just all the points that we talked about. That it's all related. It doesn't matter whether you're in medical school right now or, or a doctor of thirty years, right? Like when you start to think about um, these components, of all of these different um, religions and spiritualities and medicinal terms, and you know, like whether you study acupuncture, or you like there's so many different different components and different ways of looking at things, and they all have the same fundamental. Um, components to them. They're just spoken in different ways or maybe a little bit different. And and that's what I, the whole purpose of the demystifying it is to really talk about the science and even bring forward some of those connections so that we start to think about all of these things as, you know, kundalini is not the only way, but because kundalini techniques use breath work, they use arm movement, they use posture, they use mantras, they use mudras, they use all these different modalities. I found that as a busy New Yorker who had been doing yoga for many, many years and could not for the life of me figure out how to meditate, I meditated for the first time with one three-minute Kundalini meditation all of that science packed in like one, it's like a shot wheat grass, right? Like all of that science and one quick punch. And all of a sudden I was able to connect all of these magical sciences at once in the one technique. And I was able to meditate for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. This yeah. is it. Like,
0: yeah. like
1: kund- Kundalini can be the quote unquote gateway drug and the, in the nicest, best, you know, beautiful way possible, um, to help, break down that barrier of entry for anyone who has never been able to meditate, who thinks that any yogic, any of this stuff is hippie woo woo and doesn't understand the science of it or has never even realized that it, that it is a science.
0: Right. Or they think it's a religion. Like, no, it, it's, it is the gateway to tapping into your innate self, your innate wisdom and, and your higher self. It, it is that. And you know it undeniably. The first time it happened to me, I, I remember I wept. I wept because it was so beautiful. And yeah. it was, it was like coming home and maybe that's the thing that's kept me at it these 30 years, uh, because it's just, it's, there's just nothing that compares to feel that oneness with God, to feel that oneness with all that it is.
1: Yeah. And I, and just to offer even a little bit of a different perspective if this all sounds too out there. I mean, I remember, I I mean, I've cried in soul cycle classes before, right? For sure. Yeah, me too. I go back in the day, like if you've ever had that kind of moment where you've done that sort of physical activity or something that really gets you out of your head and allows you to feel into yourself and into your emotional body, like that is what we're talking about. It's it's that- Cathartic. yeah, yeah it's, it's cathartic. It's that moment of clarity. It's that breath where, like, even if your body is in physical pain or whatever is happening, where you're able to just kind of come into that center and you balance whether we're talking about masculine or feminine, or emotional body, spiritual body, physical body like, all of these things at one. And you get that connection, like you're saying, to God, to source, to our highest self, to whomever and whatever you believe in. If you've ever experienced that in any other medium and you're thinking to yourself, Oh like that was amazing like I remember that how do I get more of that hmm. the yogic science and the techniques and and those these small tiny tools that can be 3 minutes a day they compound upon each other I mean if you're into biohacking or any of these things like something like habit stacking or you know all of these yeah. things that, that you think of from a different perspective it's it's all the same science just used with different vernacular totally. right used with maybe a little bit different mediums and mm-hmm. I would say that you and I are offering up yogic as one of yogic science and yogic techniques as one of those mediums that can help with that stacking right that can help
0: you get into that space that remembrance yeah that that yeah that alignment hey so just curious like what does your practice look like I know we're at, kind of like out our time now but I really want to know like what what your practice looks like day to day just managing your life.
1: Yeah, so I, I fully fully believe in paying ourselves mind body spirit first thing, um, and whatever that means. Um, whenever I'm teaching anybody something, I, I typically pick a, one of out uh, of a handful of techniques that you can do, even just by sitting your booty first thing up on your pillow before you touch your, before you touch your phone before you um, put your feet on the floor right before you do anything that can kind of make that conscious intention right? To put yourself first, mind, body, spirit, to pay yourself first, mind, body, spirit. Mm. And that can be even as something as simple as as stretching for somebody, right? Like there, as long as we're doing it with the intention of Mm. giving our body what we need first and foremost, before we do anything else, it will set our entire rest of our day and life in a completely different trajectory. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Love it. Beautiful. So that's what you do. First thing in the morning, you're like, you're breathing, you're, what you're, you're integrating.
1: It depends on what's going on in my okay. life. Like in the past um, three months, I really, I was a Pilates instructor, you know, when I was younger as well, I'm younger, I say, but like, am I.
0: She's very young, but those of you who can't see her, she's like beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I, young she is, but she looks very young and she's quite beautiful. She's <laughs> 39. So um, when I. She doesn't I was- look 39. She looks 10 years younger than that. <laughs> Just <laughs> very much.
1: So I was probably 25, 26. um, And I was a Pilates instructor when I was living in, in San Diego. And when I first moved to LA, I found that my energy was so masculine, trying to get things done that I was doing my Peloton on a regular basis. And I was pushing and maybe more of the Kundalini Kriyas that I was doing was like more intense breath work and that sort of thing. And I've noticed once my home has finally gotten set up and I've been getting more of a routine and my book released, right. And I'm settling more into the feminine within me in wanting to teach more and have conscious conversations like this and have a stable home and and lean more into that, I've noticed that I'm tapping more into um, more of the quiet Kriyas, right? And more of a, a gentle... Pilates flow or yoga flow in the morning. And I drink my hot water and lemon first thing. And I take my pup one outside and take him for a walk. And and then I have, you know, take my vitamins. So I'm paying my body that way first, you know, my hot water and lemon and, and a little bit of apple cider vinegar, right. To help my digestion, get going to warm up my my, my stomach, my digestive fire, my ajna. And I start to just pay myself first, even in that simple of an intention of um, before I start doing coffee, you know, or any of that, I'll, I'll have some water and I'll take my vitamins and I'll drink my hot water and lemon. And so I'm nice. fueling my body even first on that level of intention. Um, and I'm sure that there will be a time where I start to want to push and push my body a little bit more and I'll continue to cultivate those practices, but maybe it'll be a little bit more aggressive. You know, maybe I'll do some burpees, like who knows, right? Right.
0: yeah, yeah, the time and a place for sure. And the stage yoga for me today is really different than it was 10, 20 years ago. (laughs) Really different. Yeah, and that's the beauty of
1: it, right? Is when you start to kind of stack your spiritual toolkit, right? Your wellness toolkit, um, however you want to look at it, and the more you start to do these practices, you tap into more of what your body actually needs, um, at different places in time. And you also start to give yourself the grace of, you know what, maybe I need to be a little bit more gentle and that's okay. I don't have to push, push, push all the time. Cause maybe the push, push, pushing is what's actually depleting me. What if I get a little bit softer and then maybe feel into it and are like, okay, I can do something a little Bit more aggressive, I can exert a little bit more energy, or maybe I need to burn off a little bit more energy. And you can kind of take all of these techniques and ebb and flow um, and create a consistent practice that even if the techniques differ from day to day, you're still creating that intentionality behind each one of the actions that you take.
0: Yeah, I love, I love that you said fuel your body with intention, fuel your life with intention. And I think that is the biggest takeaway that I have. And my yoga practice isn't just an hour and a half here and there uh, every day or you know multiple times a day. It's it's, it's infused into life, and and uh, it doesn't have to be separate from it. And I love that that you brought that to our attention. Yeah. attention intention <laughs> <laughs> intervention <laughs> all, of, all of the things yeah Unsimpeded. well thank you so much I kind of want to do a part too because there's a lot of stuff I still like to talk about but uh, to be continued thank you so much for being with us today yeah thank you for having me it's been an honor truly so check out your book where's the best place to find it um, pretty much anywhere
1: books are sold, but in the day and age, where people are not going out to all the things, Amazon is the easiest. Um, and of course, if you like it, I would love for you to share it and or write a review. It's I I literally, you know, went through my savings, quit my corporate job, did all of this purely based out of a heart centered desire to help and heal. And if wow. it helps one person, ten people, ten thousand people, I know that that is all part of the divine timing of it all. And I just want it to make as big of a difference in people's lives that it can. And that is truly my, my goal for it wholeheartedly.
0: Beautiful. Demystifying Kundalini Yoga. Yes. By Erin Elizabeth Downing. All right. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be a value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast-guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so... Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.